Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I'm your host, Dane Martinez, the Spitting Statistician, and I've got Samantha Praviti with me. It's the first Monday of the NFL season, and that is known as overreaction season, to be sure. But Samantha and I are going to go through some of the headlines, some of the injuries, and let you know who to target on the waiver wire to go ahead and get the edge of everybody in your league. Samantha, I got to tell you, I'm really excited to do this every Every week so we can get the jump on the waiver wire. Yeah, I'm really excited to do the waiver wire episode every Monday. Uh, you can also catch my content that is written on the action network.com. Absolutely. So let's get into it. You know, one of the biggest headlines from week one is obviously the injury to Dak Prescott, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Now we know he's going to be out for a while, so we ain't got to worry about him for fantasy. But to me, the interesting question is what are the implications in your opinion, Samantha, on the Cowboys skill players, right? Like the Pollards, the Zeeks, the Dalton Schultzes of the world. And of course the wideout group. I mean, it didn't look like the Cowboys were doing much work even with Dak. What do you think is the impact for some of the skill position players now that Dak's going to be gone for the better part of a few months oh god I'm very concerned I mean I was concerned about Lamb in that game and like to your point Dak played most of that game two catches for 29 yards and a 27 percent target share at the same time makes no sense for a guy that we were drafting is probably a top seven wide receiver. So I'm very frustrated with him. He ended up as wide receiver 71. So like regardless of the quarterback situation, I was already concerned. And now it's just like a trash fire. So I'm kind of downgrading him into that like, high-end wide receiver two tier. Okay. I'm ho- like, that's still a little optimistic given like that stink fest, but I am convinced that he is like a more talented player than that stat line would suggest. Sure. Um, now Schultz actually had a pretty nice day. Seven catches for 62 yards, had a decent target chairs, ended as tight end eight. Tight ends we kind of know are a little more immune to bad quarterback play. I I mean, we haven't seen too, too much from Cooper Rush. The game was really tied. Like, right. you know, pretty much over at that point. But um, I think like Schultz will probably maintain his value for the most part. The running backs were 
uh, not great. I mean, so Ezekiel Elliott from the eye test looked a lot better than Tony Pollard. I know there was a lot of conversation about which one better because Pollard did show signs of being better than Elliott last season. So it was kind of up in the air. Like Elliott was being drafted as low as I think like RB 20 in some drafts. So he's pretty down there. They both ended up kind of having stinky days for fantasy. So I think like Elliott needs to be the guy. They just need to feed him a little bit more. Now I know there have been injuries to their offensive line that could have impacted the play overall, but I mean, I'm not feeling great about either of those guys. I was kind of hoping one would just like distinguish himself, but it's like RB45 and RB56. So uh, not that great. Can I ask you something? Because I kind of think you hear the axiom all the time, right? That, you know, when you get a rookie quarterback or a backup quarterback, sometimes they go to the tight end as that quote unquote security blanket. We also are thinking that Dallas is going to be down in games now, right? They went from, you know, a one and a half point favorite already now a seven point dog in week two against the Bengals. I wonder if, If they're going to be losing games, which most people project to be happening, do you think maybe we get some, you know, garbage time? Quite frankly, Samantha, you know, the idea of them being down in games, whether it's Cooper Rush or whoever, kind of volume throwing and maybe even more targets for guys like Lamb and Schultz and less running touches for guys like Zeke? I don't know because, you know, Lamb had 11 targets yesterday and didn't do much with them and garbage time with a guy like Cooper Rush versus Jameis Winston, who is used to be the king of garbage time is a little (laughs) different. So, I mean, it's the quality of the throws is what I'm talking about. So, I mean, I, I, maybe that elevates it a little bit, just talking about game script, but I'm pretty concerned about, I would say Lamb, I'm probably the most concerned about of every, anyone, because you had to drop a pretty significant draft pick to get him. No, obviously. I mean, you drafted C.D. Lamb as your wideout one, probably, I would say, like in the second round of a lot of drafts. But you're still starting him, to be correct. Right, Samantha? You said he fell to like a wideout two, maybe a wideout two, three at the very worst. So he's still a start, correct? Yes, he's still a start at this point. Like, we have to kind of toe that very thin line of overreacting, then also taking this data point. Like, it would be silly to not take into week one, like, that intended into consideration at all, but it would also be silly to replace everything we knew about CD Lamb and every single player previously with that one data point. So it's like 5.8% of the season is over for the Cowboys. (laughs) So, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of football to be played. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so listen, you drafted CD Lamb to be a stud for you. And as the axiom goes, you always start your studs. Well, Samantha, I do want to ask you another kind of thing I saw here and you've been playing fantasy for a long time. So have I, I have seen the incredible like evolution away from the quote unquote workhorse running back. It now seems like every single team is by committee. You may even have three guys that touch the rock. And there were a number of teams going into week one where I thought the breakdown of touches and opportunity was going to go one way. And it actually went differently. You know, I'm talking about all the way back on Thursday night football, social media was ablaze with Henderson versus Cam Akers, but we saw them in some other places. Also people thought Damian Pierce was going to, be this rock star starter as a rookie for the Houston Texans. It happened with my Jets and a number of other teams. Were there places where you were surprised with how the kind of workload was divided in the backfield? Sure. I mean, there were definitely a lot of surprises. I would say with Thursday night, 
I did think that Henderson was going to have a major role. Now, I did not think he was going to outsnap Cam Akers right. 55 to 12, and Cam Akers would just lay an absolute goose egg, which, thank you, that completely torpedoed two of my teams. Great feeling going into Sunday, by the way, when you right. have a, a, a big old zero there. Um, so, I mean, that's concerning, but I did know that Akers, I did feel like Akers was going to be eased a little bit back in, despite what he says. He Like, players always just want to go, of course. Like, they're always sure. going to say they're healthy, they want to play, whatever. Um, but I was concerned about him, so I wasn't necessarily drafting him super high. Um, the Burke Pierce thing is interesting because Pierce just got so big so fast. I mean, think about his meteoric rise. Yep. And then it's and like, and I just thought it got so out of hand. I mean, he went from being drafted as like the RB60 to RB20 in like right. the matter of a couple of weeks. And I get it. He had a great preseason. He looked very strong. He's a sexy name and everything, but he's a guy that never had a major workload at Florida. And, you know, college production can be pretty indicative of the type of role that a guy can handle in the NFL. So, I mean, I wasn't surprised to see him kind of eased into things. I mean, Burke had played 30 more snaps than Pierce did, um, out touched him 19 to 12 and obviously had the better fantasy day. So I think that that's kind of going to be what it's like until Pierce gets to that point. Now that could be week six. That could be the end of the season. It's really just a matter of like, yeah, like they're not going to force him to carry the entire load. And especially on a, on an offense that is not, I don't think going to be super, super high scoring. It's it makes him a little bit less attractive. Like I've already seen people saying they want to drop Damian Pierce. Right. And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit of an overreaction. I think he's a bench for now, but not start. Um, well, the overreactions continue here going from week one to week two. One other backfield split that I want to ask you about because a lot of people don't think this offense will necessarily perform the same way it did in week one. I'm talking about the Green Bay Packers. Now, going into drafts, Aaron Jones was drafted as an RB1. A lot of people liked the way A.J. Dillon was kind of ascending and they thought it was going to be a kind of even timeshare. What do you think about the backfield in Green Bay? How do you handle that? And does it matter that you expect maybe the Packers to not be down by three scores in the lion's share of their games like they were to Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, that game script did not go as right. I expected. Now, yes, we got that late news that the Packers O-line would be missing two of their linemen, which is a major loss. I mean, they totally flipped the line. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't expect the Packers to score seven points in the entire game, especially knowing that Rodgers has been such a Viking killer in the past. Like, that's just not how I thought it would play out, even without the receivers. Now, if you'd asked me like which Packers receiver would I trust it probably would I would have said AJ Dillon like he's the only right. one the only pass catcher that I would have been like yeah I feel pretty good about him because otherwise it's like week one Sammy Watkins who was right. red. Um, it's funny, yeah, I so was I asked mean, the same thing and my answer was Robert Tunyon also not yeah. a wide receiver you know what I mean but I agree totally totally I mean the wide receiver core it leaves a little bit to the imagination now I think Dobbs and Watson will be fine will be the guys that you want to roster later on for sure but um, they're not starts right now the, the whole split it's it's a little confusing but to your point like I think that a lot of that had to do with game script I think like the Packers just like they were just shocked a little bit mm -hmm. they didn't know how to play that game when they were so far behind they had no weapons so I think it might take a little bit of time for them to kind of get back on track but uh Dylan is a great snag if you got him I mean how could you resist with those giant quads 
Yeah, really. Absolutely. I like that from his days in Boston College. Talk about Watson. Listen, Rodgers gave him a chance on a deep ball down the right sideline. It goes through his breadbasket. I don't know if that, uh, you know, garners trust with the two-time MVP. You kind of got to build that up. I don't know how many targets he's going to be seeing. So we got to keep an eye out for some of those kind of backfield shares. And we will continue to do that here on Fantasy Flex, Dane Martinez and Samantha Praviti. But let's also talk a little bit, Samantha, about some of the injuries that took place in week one because when you start to look at the waiver wire you know the first place I go is who got hurt and who's going to be that kind of quote-unquote next man up we talked about Dak Prescott already but another injury that I think is very important for a run-based team is the running back in San Francisco Elijah Mitchell he's dealing with a knee injury what do you think about that one Okay. I have Mitchell on one team. So that did not make me feel great right off the bat. I mean, he Uh exited before the first half, uh, Jeff Wilson jr. That was my immediate thought is that he would be the guy ended up having a pretty unremarkable day. Uh, I mean, in a game that really did favor the run, uh, nine carries for 22 yards. Uh, I mean, the best running back was Debo Samuel. I mean, Debo Samuel is great. So I'm not taking anything away from him, but, uh, Tyrion Davis-Price ended up being a healthy scratch in week one, too. So, I mean, it was like this was the perfect opportunity for Jeff Wilson to kind of take over. Didn't do much. I mean, that could just be like the game was just a giant sloppy slip and slide. And like there was a lot of things happening. So I think like if you're going to roster someone to replace Mitchell or just capitalize on the situation like i i would go for jeff wilson jr he is 15 percent rostered currently on yahoo um but i mean the whole thing kind of gives me pause i'm not i'm not sure what to really make of it at this point so i would not say that he is my top waiver claim like if that makes sense I agree with you, Samantha, because, and you, you spoke to it a little bit when you brought up Debo Samuel. Okay. Their run game, the San Francisco run game is not just running backs. You talk about Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Can I get Ayuk? He got some carries as well. And then of course, Trey Lance leads them in carries and in rushing yards. So when you have that kind of herd mentality in the run game to try to identify one player that you're going to insert in lineups, I'm with you, Samantha. I would take a kind of wait and see approach to see what happens in the run game in San Francisco. Another injury that I think is very important is Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen left the game with a hamstring injury. Now, I know everybody is trying to get whatever shares of the Chargers pass attack they possibly can. So could a guy like Palmer, who was, you know, on a lot of people's radars, having kind of a training camp buzz, could that be someone we go to, especially because the Chargers have a tight turnaround playing the Chiefs on Thursday night? Yeah, it it doesn't look good for Allen to play in week two, like you said, with the tight turnaround. Now, what what are the most shocking things of this game was that Mike Williams was completely MIA. I don't know where he went. I don't know like who whose feelings he hurt. But I will like I'm going to assume that he will be the wide receiver one if Allen misses time this week. Now that still it's a high volume, very strong passing offense. There's going to be a lot to go around. I love Gerald Everett as a potential type guy to add this week, especially okay. if you're just like tight end needy of the wide receivers. It's kind of complicated because Deandre Carter was actually the one that had a great day. I mean, he uh, he's a 29 year old journeyman return specialist, but caught three or four targets, 64 yards and a touchdown finished as wide receiver 21. Um, but then it was just spread around. I mean, Carter tied a whole bunch of other guys with four targets. So it's not like one guy was like super dominant. Now Palmer also saw t- 
four targets, but very quiet day. So, I mean, I think both of them are, are worth thinking about, but I don't know that I would really trust Palmer or Carter in your lineups, unless you're in like a dart throw situation. Now I will say like for DFS, they're probably going to be pretty good plays. So that's that's where I would think about them. I'm not sure I would feel comfortable plugging them into like a wide receiver three spot. Yeah, I hear you. Maybe if we had the bye weeks upon us, you may be forced into some kind of different situations. And I kind of think like you, I'd be more interested in big Mike Williams. I'd be more interested in Austin Eckler, to be quite honest, maybe even playing some of their prop bets. Because if you think about it like a pie, right, when you take out the Keenan Allen part, someone is going to kind of soak up that usage. And I personally think that Justin Herbert will go to the kind of more familiar targets that he has that trust in. But those are some of the names to watch what about over in Pittsburgh one of the games of the day in week one we got a horrible kicking game we got uprights being hit we got comebacks potentially both ways but also Najee Harris left the game with that foot injury uh he did not come back and they went to kind of the backup for the entirety of overtime Najee Harris in terms of like percentage of offense last year was one of the biggest guys in all of fantasy. Trust me. I know. Cause I had him on a ton of rosters. What does Pittsburgh do? If Najee can't go in week two, does this become like Mitchell Trubisky putting it up 45 times? Oh my goodness. Well, they are not deep at the running back position to say the least. Uh, So Jalen Warren was the preseason standout for the Steelers. He is 4% rostered. I'm going to assume that he is the de facto backup at this point, though. I kind of think it was going to like, I was like, oh, we'll wait and see a few weeks and see how like backfield shakes out. Well, we didn't really get that opportunity because Najee has this. So I'm not sure if it's the same Lisa Frank injury. Yes. Liz Frank injury. I'm just calling out little Lisa Frank injury that he had a (laughs) during the preseason or if it's a new injury or something it's kind of vague right now but I know he had some kind of walking boot on definitely doesn't bode well for a running back especially one that has to rely on a ton of volume to be productive uh so I mean Jalen Warren like I said four percent he's worth a speculative ad at the very least I think I mean he's a he's a type of backup right now that you can roster but you know he has long-term value if the durability for Harris really becomes a long-term issue Yeah, and I agree with you. The other thing I'd say about that, Samantha, is in the Mike Tomlin era, there in Pittsburgh, the Steelers have been a team that is close to having kind of a quote unquote workhorse back. And even when they have someone that they plug in, they give that guy time, whether it's Benny Snell or in years past, D'Angelo Williams played the same kind of role when they have that. Absolutely. (laughs) When they go even to a backup back, they give him the rock. So you talk about Warren, definitely an interesting speculative ad to depending on how Najee's foot is feeling. Well, those are some of the big time injuries where some of the pivots may be a little bit obvious. But now, Samantha, let's go into each position and talk about some of your targets on the waiver wire. We'll start with quarterback, okay? Maybe you lost Dak Prescott right? And you need to kind of hunt the waiver wire. And it's so different, Samantha, especially at the quarterback position, if you're in a kind of super flex league, because if you're in a super flex league, there's no quarterbacks left available. If you're in standard kind of leagues, you got options. You know what I mean? So let's say you lost Dak or you're not pleased by the performance of your quarterback in week one. Where are you hunting at the quarterback position? No, I think this is interesting because the quarterback position is very deep and there's like this whole sentiment in the fantasy community that you shouldn't be rostering two quarterbacks in a normal one quarterback, like 12 team league. Right. But that said, like, 
there were some very underwhelming performances and some major question marks and, and some injuries to your point that like, I, I feel like you could definitely justify picking up one of these guys as an insurance policy. So my first one is going to be Jameis Winston. He, I was all over him as a sleeper target this year. Yeah, I, I said that he's probably going to end up as top 12 of the position. Now, I don't think he's going to be the 30 touchdown, 33 interception type guy that he was before. But, um, you know, it, he really came alive in that fourth quarter. The first three quarters were a little rocky, but right. uh, he ended up with 269 yards, two touchdowns, with zero interceptions. Uh, briefly banged up in the game, but finished at the quarterback seven. Um, so, I mean, I certainly think he has fringe QB1 potential immediately could be a great Dak Prescott fill in. He's 46% rostered. So available in just over half of the leagues out there. Um, but he would be my top pick. If you lost a quarterback or really just need a quarterback, Carson Wentz. Um, <laughs> I did not expect that uh, surprisingly nice outing for his debut sure. for the commanders, 13% rostered. He completed uh, 27 of 41 for 313 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, um, did a little bit of rushing, but it, it was clear that he had a good rapport with his pass catchers, Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dawson. Um, I mean, he's not going to get to play the Jaguars every week, so I'm not going right. to expect him to post top three numbers every week, but I think that he is a reliable QB too moving forward and a viable option. If you're desperate as a, as a press comm manager, like you could be in a 14, 16 team league where like that Carson Wentz is going to be your best option. Um, and then for deeper situations, I mean, Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield, Davis Mills. Those are two, three other names that I would consider rostering if you really need QB help. Yeah, fair enough. When you talk about Jameis Winston, I mean, he does have a season under his belt where he led the NFL in passing yards. I know you talk about that YOLO, like leading in touchdowns and interceptions, but Jameis Winston with those weapons on the outside could be an interesting add. You know, I don't know though that they're going to be down by two scores. I'm big Samantha on game script and game flow, right? And they had to come all the way back against Atlanta. The next game's up on the same schedule. They've got the Buccaneers, which always wind up being like really low scoring games when those two teams get together. And then I think the Panthers, and I wonder if the Saints get out to Leeds, what they will do instead. If you remember Jameis Winston early in the season before he got hurt last year, he's kind of uh, one of those efficient passers, right? The Saints were winning games and he was going like, you know, 13 for 18 for 180 yards in a victory. So I do think it matters to see what you believe the Saints will do in the game. And that correlates to what Jameis Winston will do in the game. But Jameis Winston is becoming something of a national treasure, giving his comedic chops, shall we say. Let's go over to the running back position, though, Samantha. You know, a lot of running backs underperformed. We talked about Cam Akers um, and Thursday night and a ton of other ones. We also talked about some potential injuries to running backs earlier in the show. Who are some of the running backs you are looking at on the waiver wire? Sure. So other than Jalen Warren and uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., I'm yeah. looking at Jamal Williams, 47% rostered. So he's not available in a ton of leagues, but you know, this beloved hard knock star. It makes me want to cry like <laughs> Jamal Williams in episode one. <laughs> yes. Uh, so like DeAndre Swift obviously had this massive game for the Lions who really looked quite scrappy. Um, but Jamal Williams had a great day too. 11 carries for 20 yards and a pair of touchdowns. And caught one or two targets for two yards. Good enough for an RB13 finish. Now, I, I think that that, like, Swift is going to be the alpha. He is the clear guy. But Williams has a role in this offense. I think that's what that showed me. Like, it's not like this was some blowout win yeah. and they were just doing garbage time. Like, they were close in a lot of this game. So, I, I mean, I think that 
he is for sure a really interesting guy that could have long-term value way past just being like a handcuff type guy. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, who was a very popular preseason game. Yes. Um, ended up name who lived up to that hype um, as the Chiefs obviously just completely shellacked the Cardinals. Um, right. I mean, he out-touched lead back Clyde Edwards-Elair. Now, I do want to say that he did not see a touch until the second quarter. That's what I was going to ask. Already gone up 20 to seven. Yeah. With Jamal Williams, you said it wasn't a kind of garbage time situation, but with Pacheco, it kind of was. I mean, CEH had two touchdowns already. The Chiefs had a 40 burger up already. And then it kind of seemed like Pacheco was in mop up duty. But you think there's still there's still meat on the bone from him on a week to week basis? I do. I mean, I think like that's not a gigantic lead. That's not a blowout lead. That's the second quarter. I mean, yes, he was utilized the most heavily in the fourth quarter in garbage time. Now, here's the thing. Like the Chiefs could be in garbage time a lot. Like they, they could be ahead by two scores a lot this year. Um, and I mean, he's, he's a talented dude. And we've also seen Clyde edwards Lair deal with injuries. So, I mean, like there are certain guys where their insurance policies are a little more like likely to be used. And I think there's a good chance that Clyde Edwards there misses a, a couple games here and there. So, I mean, I think Pacheco is the clear number two right now. And I think you should, you should definitely be adding Pacheco. One other running back I do want to ask you about, and it's Khalil Herbert in Chicago, okay? Only uh, rostered in about 40, 41% of leagues. He hits pay dirt yesterday against the 49ers. But to me, that game in Chicago yesterday, Samantha, was kind of an anomaly, right? Like, are we going to always have a monsoon, you know, obviously slanted to the run games of both teams? And I don't know about you, but I was on the under five and a half wins for Chicago. So the idea that he would be in the kind of grind out the clock mode, I don't know how often that's going to happen for the Chicago Bears. You still got Montgomery there as well. But I see that you're targeting Khalil Herbert in some rosters. Yes. I mean, he actually saw nine carries to Montgomery seven, but he was more productive than them. I mean, five yards per carry versus Montgomery's paltry 1.5. Now, yes, there is some game script stuff. I kind of want to just throw that whole game out because it was, I know I took the 49ers, (laughs) like everything upset me about this game. I had Trey Lance, but that said, I mean, the eye test, I also thought that Herbert looked just as good, if not better than David Montgomery. So I think that this is, it's been my suspicion all off season that this would be some kind of timeshare. And this obviously confirmed some of it. I don't know if that's reflective, but I think it's enough to warrant a waiver claim for him because he could definitely end up in some kind of 50-50 split with Monty. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over under. For example, rushing yards at a football number or points in basketball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friends' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group picks with the tap of a button, along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. 
on your mobile phone. Join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action, and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Fantasy Flex Podcast here, Dane Martinez and Samantha Braviti taking you through waiver wire additions potentially as we go into week two here on the Action Network. Samantha, let's go over to the wide receiver position, okay? Because you talked a little bit about Carson Wentz before and how he could be a viable ad. There are a few pass catchers, right, that may be out there, not scary Terry McLaurin, who is probably a drafted and people's wide receiver too, let's say, but there are a number of other pass catchers for the command that really had a good game, which of those would you prioritize out of the Samuels, the Dotsons, and others? Who would be the first commander wide out you grab from the wave wire? Sure. I, I mean, it's really tough. I think I would go Dotson. I would lean Dotson. Now, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot going on here. He was one of the least hyped names, just not as a not as flashy as Garrett Wilson or Olave or anything like that. Right. Ended up with the best day for fantasy of all the uh, year one wideouts. Um, caught three of five targets, 40 yards and two touchdowns, which is completely insane. Now, Samuel caught eight of 11 targets for 55 yards and a touchdown. He has been productive, but he's also got injury concerns. He missed like almost all of last year with this groin injury. Samuel's also somewhat been a little bit boomer bust in his career, whereas I think Dotson's the young sort of talent. So I think that longer term, Dotson will be the ad. Okay. And then, you know, we talked about Jameis when we were doing quarterbacks. I One of his receivers, I think, had a very interesting game, and it is Juice Landry, who comes into New Orleans. And I thought he would be something of an afterthought, maybe a slot guy, you know, because you do have Michael Thomas, who did return. You do have Alave, who you just mentioned as a rookie. But when the Saints were down two scores, Samantha, Jameis was looking for Jarvis Landry over 100 yards. And this is a guy, you know, who's been labeled as a, a possession receiver, a PPR kind of receiver. But he was more than that yesterday. I totally agree. Seven catches on nine targets for 114 yards. Uh, so first of all, I don't know if this is like, I'm very upset that Alvin Kamara was com- like pretty MIA in this game. I don't know if it was like he just preferred Landry in those types of like shorter yardage situations. I I foresee that he will buy with rookie Chris Olave uh, for that number two spot behind Thomas. Olave was a little bit quieter, but he's a rookie. I think he'll take time. Now, Landry, I think, I mean, yeah, he could be valuable in PPR formats as, pre- as he has been in previous years. So like if you're in a pinch for a wide receiver three or flex, I don't hate it. All right, fair enough. Are there any other wideouts that you think people should be looking at that could be out there on the waiver wire that you think could be a priority, maybe spend that fad budget or burn your number two or three priority in a league? Sure. I mean, Devin DuVernay comes to mind. I, I was just two years too early on the Devin DuVernay. I was early on the DuVernay <laughs> thing also. I yeah. was also early on Bateman. I was all over him last year. Like sure, someone sure. on the Baltimore pass catchers that's not named Mark Andrews has to be viable, right? Right. I mean, like, look, look, obviously no Marquise Brown in Baltimore. So that number two wide receiver spot is totally up for grabs at this point. He had the better day of of anyone for fantasy for sure. But um, I mean, not a super impressive target share, 13.8%. So, I mean, I want to see that increase as time goes on. I think that he's more of a boomer bust, like flex play point, but I think like just stash him and see how it evolves because like, 
if you don't need someone to start next week, he could definitely evolve into like a legit wide receiver two or wide receiver three or something like that as the season progresses. All right, fair enough. Maybe now I'm a Jets fan. So the way I'd like to think about it, it's because Sauce Gardner was absolutely blanketing Bateman on the other side. And so that's why they had to go to Duvernay. But I digress. Missy Flex, Dane Martinez, and Samantha Praviti. And then we get to the tight position. And Samantha, I told you before the show that there is one guy I am incredibly intrigued by. I've been incredibly intrigued by this guy for the better part of four years. Sean Payton was in love with this guy. Um, we've been talking about the New Orleans Saints a little bit. We got to talk about Taysom Hill, Samantha. We got to talk about Taysom Hill. I remember asking you last week on Green Dot Daily, which you got to check out weekdays, by the way, that a lot of tight ends are almost touchdown dependent after you get through the elite guys. But honestly, Samantha, A, if Taysom Hill is going to be, you know, listed as a tight end in your league, check your settings. But if he's also going to get legitimate carries and be a part of their offense, like, is this sustainable for Taysom Hill? Because if it is, I'm picking him up. I want to say it's a developing situation, okay? okay? Because I really did not expect to see that usage. Now, this is a whole new offense, whole new team, obviously, for Sean Payton different quarterback situation but I mean Taysom Hill is just like a polarizing player in general because of that one week where he was tight end eligible and a lot of people mm-hmm. got really mad over that yes so he's tight end eligible he's like this weird hybrid quarterback tight end running back wide receiver I don't know I mean he lines up at every position so it's very very strange he did not throw any passes yesterday but he certainly was utilized a lot in that run game so um I mean he's I think he's worth an ad for sure he I think was the tight end three for the week so far. So it's like, I don't know. That pretty, that really came out of nowhere for me. I thought the Taysom Hill project was over after. So did I. After Sean Payton was gone. Right. So (laughs) I'm just going to admit that this was a big, big shock. But that said, I mean, I think he's a really high upside type stash. Like I'm going to say tight end two for now. I want to see it more and more. I need to see the usage be more consistent. I agree with you. And they gave him the ball, as you mentioned, when Jameis tweaked something in the first half. That's also when they went to Taysom, but then he, you know, made good on his opportunities. I'm almost of the mindset, though, Samantha, that like, if I can rely on like three or four carries for Taysom Hill, that might be better than relying on potentially four targets for some other tight end that's on the waiver wire. And you may even get block kick points from Taysom Hill. He absolutely does it all, but I digress. I think it is, like you said, a developing situation we'll watch here on the Fantasy Flex. But Samantha, any other tight ends that are on the board or available right now in a lot of leagues that you would want to snatch up? Yeah, we already mentioned Gerald Everett, uh, 29% roster. He's definitely going to be my top ad at tight end. Another guy that impressed was OJ Howard, uh, new Texan. It was his debut yes. for the team in the in the days only tie. Finished as the tight end two. I mean, talk about efficiency. Caught both of his targets for 38 yards and two touchdowns. Now wow. that seems it could be a little fluky, but I want to remind people that Howard is extremely talented. Five-star recruit out of High school, highly touted prospect from Alabama, first round pick from the Buccaneers, won a Super Bowl, didn't play in the Super Bowl. But uh, I mean, he has this talent athleticism to produce in this league. Um, Now he has this injury history. He's just never done it before. So I'm not saying go out, blow all your fab, but I think he could be a bench stash. See how that kind of develops. I mean, I didn't didn't expect that, but I also didn't expect the Texans to look that good. I mean, they really held their own against a Colts defense. So I was pretty impressed and I'm a little, I've been up 
optimistic on the Texans. They overperformed even my expectations yesterday. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Weird things happen in AFC South matchups in week one. You always got to watch out for that. And like I said, sometimes these tight ends are touchdown dependent. Sure, OJ Howard maximized his two catches for two touchdowns. But if he doesn't get those in pay dirt, he's not going to be the second ranked tight end on the waiver wire. Well, that will just about do it here for this episode of Fantasy Flex. Is there anybody else that we didn't get to, Samantha, or someone that we should have eyes on? The only other player. Um, a tight end that I will, will mention, Hayden Hurst, I've been really high on all Ooh, yeah. season. Now the Bengals, oh God, what a disappointing game overall. I mean, I don't think Joe sure, Burrow sure. is going to throw four interceptions every game. Hope not. But uh, Hayden Hurst, 10% rostered. I think he's a guy that you could pick up if you have a disappointing uh, tight end situation. Now, I mean, like I said, like Gerald Everett, if you are a Mike Gesicki manager, I'm probably running to that waiver wire. I was very unimpressed with him. There's a number of, of tight ends I'm unimpressed with. And to your point, it's kind of random. So it's not a bad idea to be flexible at the position. Assuming you don't have, I mean, like Mark Andrews didn't have a great day, but like, I'm not panicking on that. Yeah, you can't be worried about Kyle that. Pitts or anything like that. But some like some of those guys down the list, like Dawson Knox, if you have him and he's your only tight end, I would, I think it would be worth it maybe picking up one more guy. All right, fair enough. I said it before at the top of the show. I'd also keep an eye on my guy, Robert Tunyon in Green Bay. In the red zone, Rodgers was always looking Devontae Adams. He's not there. He doesn't trust anybody else out there. Robert Tunyon, I was surprised, looked okay back from injury right there in week one. Well, Samantha, that'll do it for Fantasy Flex here this time around. But we now have something we need to track. Promise me that when we do this next week, we'll find out if Taysom Hill got four touches again and after that situation continues to develop but it was great talking about the waiver wire with you here going in from week one into week two